0: Of listeners, to Season 2, Episode 3 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we were very wrong in thinking we were watching a movie about lesbian werewolves. We brought friend of the podcast, Erica, from Les Represent, to talk about the Canadian horror Ginger Snaps from 2001. Erica,
1: Hello! I'm so happy to be here. Yay! <laughs> Tell everybody about your podcast. Well, I am almost highly underqualified I, to be here. Um, my podcast is a... Essentially, it's an interview podcast where I interview people that are marginalized genders and female-identifying queers about just about their experiences and their life. And it's really, it's really about community and about getting to know somebody and feeling less alone in the world and today i'm here to talk about not lesbian werewolves and you know what i couldn't be happier (laughs) by the time this airs because we
0: were on your podcast is that already going to be out do you know i'm going to say it's these are going to come out really close to each other so it's either going to be promotional
2: after (laughs) we
0: planned it on purpose so
2: professional
0: (laughs) absolutely all right now les talk ginger snaps uh-huh. but first we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie so we made this drink to be gingery oh i this get it it's got gin in it
2: no. you didn't go the super obvious route of ginger
0: no no <laughs> i just went full on gin and you don't like ginger anyways so that I would sure be bad don't.
2: but this movie's not about me
0: no it's about <laughs> ladies just so you know, this episode will contain discussion on animal death, self-harm, drug use, sexual assault. So if that's something that you don't need to hear today, that's totally okay. Just skip this episode. But yeah, I I created this drink and I called it Ginger's Curse because this movie likes to call periods curses. It's not meant to be a period, but... um. Oh, this is going to be a weird episode. <laughs> but yeah, it's like sour. It's got lime and gin. And then I made two of them for me and Kelly. And one of them has a little bit of uh, some fruitiness in it to make it red.
2: Yeah. Shari's is more red than mine for some reason. I can't, uh, I can't uh, quite put my finger on it. I ended up getting generic brand gin that everybody knows now. So it's like now I can, all I can taste when I drink generic brand gin is pine. generic. Yeah. It tastes like hairspray.
0: So our I, drink sucks.
2: No, 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 no. I always hated gin because it tasted like hairspray to me in the same way that I always hated coffee because it tasted like dirt to me. But now I love both of those things for <laughs> taste reasons, I guess. Honestly, the fact that it tastes like pine works for the themes of the movie since it's suburban Canada next to woods and such.
0: I totally did it on
1: purpose. Good
2: job. Thank you. Yeah. It's good uh, It's very refreshing.
1: Erica, you're all the way in the States. I know. I was like, I'm watching this movie. I was very questioning the authenticity of it. And I was like, I'm not in Canada. I couldn't tell if this was actually filmed there and if this (laughs) is like, like, is everybody just playing, I assume, lacrosse up there? Yeah. Was that lacrosse? What was it that? Was field airplane? hockey. <laughs> oh well. Does does Texas not have field hockey? Um, not in the boonies where I was growing up. No.
2: Interesting. <laughs> you had
1: football, maybe, maybe softball. It
2: wouldn't have was like
1: it. made sense
0: to have the uh, lacrosse though, because that technically is Canada's national sport.
2: Yeah, but but field hockey was always the sport that the girls that would just fully kick your ass would play.
0: So it made sense. To yeah, you.
2: field hockey was. Brutal when I went to high school, like (laughs) in the same way that like all the jockey guys would play football, like all the really hard women would play field hockey. Nice. Yeah.
1: I was just born in
0: the wrong place, man. (laughs) (laughs) You can be an honorary Canadian. Oh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So this week we watched Ginger Snaps, which premiered on May 11th, 2001. It's directed by John Fawcett and written by Karen Walton and John Fawcett. And it stars Emily Perkins as shy sister Bridget, Catherine Isabel as snarky werewolf sister Ginger, and Chris Lempch as drug dealer slash general heartthrob slash bad boy Sam. I stole this synopsis from user Jay Haley on IMDb. Thank you, Jay Haley. They write, Is becoming a woman analogous in some deep psychological way to becoming a werewolf? In this Canadian town, dogs keep showing up dead. Sad face. Ginger is 16, edgy, tough, and with her younger sister into staging and graphing scenes of death. They've made a pact about dying together. In early October, on the night she has her first period which is also the night of a full moon, a werewolf bites Ginger. Within a few days, some serious changes happen to her body and her temperament. Her sister Bridget, 15, tries to find a cure with the help of Sam, a local doper. I love reading things that aren't written by me that are filled with words that I would never say. (laughs) As Bridget races against the clock, Halloween and another full moon approach, Ginger gets scarier, and it isn't just local dogs that begin to die. And that's actually a pretty good synopsis. I don't really have much to add except for the ending, so... Uh, yeah, Ginger starts to kill humans because she can't control her animal instinct to tear things apart. And on the full moon, she completely transforms into a werewolf. She murders a guidance counselor, a janitor. She tries to kill Sam at a party. And Bridget and Sam take Ginger back to their house to try and inject her with the monkswood antidote that they've created together. But it's too late. She escapes and she brutally murders Sam right in front of her before trying to attack Bridget as well. An epic battle ensues with Bridget accidentally stabbing her werewolf sister with a knife. She lies on top of her in their bedroom and we assume Ginger is dead.
2: What's the difference between Monkswood and Spain?
0: Did the same thing, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with that trailer audio.
2: For two sisters
1: okay. with an appetite for the macabre. All it takes is one night and
2: one bite. Just being normal teenage girls. Ginger snaps and bites. We're almost not even related anymore. Was that like nondescript Rage Against the Machine wannabe metal band playing at the end there?
1: And I don't remember previews being that way I, in, the, in the 2000s. I don't oh remember man. it. And now I've watched it. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I just randomly picked this <laughs> up from the movie store instead of actually watching the preview for it. because I would have <laughs> I would not have watched this.
0: Oh, man. I like that at the end, they were like ginger snaps but then they didn't like their own pun enough. So then they had to add ant bites.
2: <laughs> oh man. It's one of those trailers that bless the people who made trailers back in the day when all you could use was like windows movie maker, mm-hmm. but that just like stank of windows movie maker. It like all the, the thriller font that popped up in the middle of these fairly, very weirdly cut scenes again with a rage against the machine wannabe metal band playing over top a really, of it. Really,
1: really, really heavy, deep, voiced guy narrating over it as if the movie was very edgy and very intense which I guess you could argue it was but not in that way yeah
2: in a world where two <laughs> sisters like to pretend that they're dead, it kind
1: of made me think of uh, you wouldn't steal
2: a car. Oh God, yes, one hundred percent. I think probably the guy who made this trailer did the both that PSA and this trailer. And
0: yet, it makes me love spoilers this film even more, <laughs> which is an odd transition into my first thought, which is, wow, this movie apparently did not want me to like it because there was so much dog death oh my god it sucked we didn't look at does the dog die beforehand and i was like it just opens with a dog death scene and
2: just like a casual use of dog death too
1: i was always wondering does does the dog die count if you didn't have an emotional connection to any of the dogs because you really only see most of these dogs once yeah Chara, I still. And that's care. usually when they're dead.
2: Jar immediately has a connection, an emotional connection to dogs, yeah. regardless of whether they're alive or dead.
1: <laughs> that is completely fair. Why
0: did nobody care that all the town's dogs were dying? These like beloved family pets, like the family. Okay, the first, the mom, and the son cared. When they, the first opening scene, when they found their dog that was dead. But everybody else doesn't give two flying fuck.
2: There was that scene in the field hockey field where she gets pushed onto a dead dog. And like, Char and I were looking at each other and we're like, is this a metaphor? Is the dog not there? Because nobody was acting like there was just a corpse in the middle of the field.
1: It's like, did they just somehow ignore that there was a corpse there? Did the, did the coach just say, OK, we're just going to play around it, girls. It'll be fine. <laughs> what was going on with that dog yeah you're right people were completely like empathetic about the dogs dying in the same way that they were empathetic about all of the drug use that was just in the background that no one said anything oh, about that's
2: normal <laughs>
1: high school like, yeah <laughs> like i forgot how much drugs were in this movie
0: like <laughs> and they when they make the monks would just speaking about the drugs he flat on like knows how to make heroin or whatever yeah. Because it's basically the same thing from what I could tell of watching Law and Order and SVU. And Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, my drug knowledge is very limited, but he definitely knows a lot more than I do.
2: <laughs> is it just kind of that thing where it's like, oh, Ginger's changing. So to show the changes from like goth girl to popular girl, she has to smoke weed with the douchey kids in the back of a van or something? No, either.
1: And I think that might have, like, if I wanted to do the work for the movie, I'm thinking it's just, oh, well, how else were they going to figure out how to inject monkshood into somebody <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if it wasn't that's fair. through drugs? There's a lot of questionable things about this movie that I'm just like, I'm just going to have to
0: suspend my disbelief. I really need to know your things because as we kind of hinted to at the beginning of this, I've had this on our list of shows or movies to watch for the show because it specifically pops up a lot on the internet for being very like queer oriented. So I thought that this was a lesbian horror movie and I was all for the lesbian werewolves, but then they're just sisters. And so I was very surprised and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Erica.
1: Why do you think this is? Well, one, every time I was ever with a woman, regardless of how, like, what ethnicity she was, people would always be like, oh, is that your sister? All the time, and I don't think I don't think this is a joke towards that. But you know, I felt that when you guys were like, "Oh, they're lesbians," and I'm like, "It's so nice to see this trope turned on yeah. its head for once." <laughs> I have my suspicions why this was put on the queer the queer list. The screenwriter, she has written a lot of like this is her most known about film, yeah. but she's written a lot of TV shows. Like she's written a lot of episodes for Queers Folk. Okay, oh. and I'm assuming. Oh. If I were to jump to conclusions, uh, considering she wrote this and then she also wrote Orphan Black, which also has a lesbian couple in it, I'm going to assume that she is also queer. And that's why it keeps popping up on that list. That's
2: a good lead. That
1: is very, you got a smart head there. You're connecting the dots. (laughs) You know, I just, this is assumptions because I couldn't look at IMDb because I didn't want to ruin the scaredy facts for myself. (laughs) So I'm only assuming that she is queer, but either way, she's written a lot of queer things for television. Yeah, it makes sense. So that is my assumption.
2: So it pops up because it's like written by a queer writer, not that the subject matter is queer.
1: Mm, I mean, they are very close for sisters. I
2: don't don't know. I don't have siblings, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a sister who is very close to me in age and we were never as close as those (laughs) two. Like we're, we're the sisters that would beat up each other for fun. So I was, I didn't quite understand it, but being the person that I am that like looks for these subtexts, I grew up in the age of not having any representation on TV. I would look for the subtext so hardcore that I would create it out of nothing. And in this movie, I actually couldn't do that. The second movie, maybe Well, we're not talking about the second movie. I didn't even
2: know there was a second movie until we were done. There are three. Jesus.
1: Including the first one. I would not recommend (laughs) the third one. Um, I would argue that it shouldn't have existed, but it's still like, okay, I guess. (laughs) It doesn't have the same writer and you can tell. Yeah, You say that
2: as if by watching this movie, we haven't established the fact that we're probably going to watch the sequels at some point.
0: (laughs) The fact that I totally dropped the ball on this being a queer film, it is very feminist. And I was trying to put some thoughts together on it. But in my research, I came across a really great quote from a feminist scholar. And I was like, why would I say things when a feminist scholar could say it so much better? So this is a direct quote from Bianca Nielsen, who writes. Bianca? Sorry, Bianca. I don't know how to say your name. Sorry,
2: that's just how I would pronounce the name.
0: It's no secret that I suck at names on this podcast. I also
2: similarly suck at most things on this podcast. But
0: she writes very in-depth knowledge, and I want to tell you all. By simultaneously depicting female bonds as important and fraught with difficulties, Ginger Snaps portrays the double binds teenage girl's face. Ginger is an embodiment of these impossible binaries. She is at once sexually attractive and monstrous. She's natural and supernatural. She's human and she's animal, feminine and transgressive, a sister and a rival. And I thought that was really cool to see how she writes exactly what I was thinking about while watching this. Like she is such a juxtaposition in and of herself when she becomes a werewolf. Or as this movie wants you to think, like, when you get your period.
2: Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too, because the like sister and rival part, I picked up a lot while we were watching the movie that like Ginger goes on like full aggro at points, but always seems to calm down when she's around her sister. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of like she Ginger is made to be like the villain of the show, but she still kind of like settles down for the protagonist. And they still have this like sisterly relationship where it's like, Even though I'm angry and everything sucks, I'm still going to like put up with you, it seems. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Their codependency is thick in this movie. Like I saw it everywhere and I, I could literally every time you see them moving apart, you can literally see Ginger becoming more and more and more aggressive the further away she thought her sister was going, even though her sister was only ever doing it to save her. Yeah,
2: Yeah. for sure. And they're like two of a kind. Like nobody else in that entire movie acts or dresses or like talks the way that they do. So like they're framed in such a way that literally they just have each other. Like their parents could not be any more different than they are.
0: It's very like they are the others. (laughs) Which definitely goes with the queerness themes of like queerness in horror movies of like, Monsters and the otherness being a metaphor for queer.
2: Yeah. Also mentioning the parents made me mentally add another note that I had to talk about in my section. So good. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going <laughs> to mention my mom and my last point, which is my obligatory, my first period story. So if you don't want to hear about Char's periods, maybe skip three minutes or so. Chapter one, <laughs>
2: my <laughs> first period. <laughs> why don't you like me? Those are my friends references That's from
0: a friends. Yeah. Good job. The mom in this movie is very great. And my mom was also very great. Okay. We can talk
2: about that then. Yeah. That's, that's the point I was going to make is that the mom is fucking rad in this. Oh no.
0: Well, you can have more of that than, uh, This little tidbit, but like for I got my period, I knew what a period was. I wasn't like Carrie or anything like that. But I also got mine pretty late. I was 14 when it happened, which is like around the end of when you should be getting your periods. And even though I knew what it was, I still had like my heart dropped and I was like, I'm bleeding. I'm going to (laughs) die. But my mom was really cool and like super Knowledgeable. She gave me a book that had this like spinning wheel on it to tell you like what happens on each day. And it was like tween style. So it was cool, you know? Was it edgy? It wasn't edgy. It was very feminine. Okay. Um, but it was still like designed in a way that wasn't like clinical or like nerdy or like you'd be embarrassed if someone saw that book. It's cool. Um, So that's my I don't have too much details. I thought I was going to die, even though I knew what it was. <laughs> and then it was fine. Pads and tampons are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it, for sure. Um I'm allowed to
1: join with this story, correct? Yes.
0: Well, you're now it's into your, th- your thoughts. So you can, do you want to talk about your you first know? period?
1: <laughs> you know, I watched this movie when I was 14, I believe was it. And it, it had been out for a while. And then we just like picked it up off the movie shelf. And I remember watching it and thinking how Lucky those girls were that they didn't get their period at 13 Mm. (laughs) like I did. My periods, surprisingly, have been remarkably the same throughout most of my my life. And it's always like you're going to it hurts like hell for an entire day before there's any blood. So there's always the whole there's always the whole am I? actually dying like is this getting older <laughs> like there's pain everywhere I'm like crippled here like am, am I is this just me getting older or it is somehow I always forget after <laughs> after 15 I don't even know how many years it was I'm not doing math after 15 years of having a period I always somehow forget that it's coming and there's always me in on my bed going okay maybe it's maybe it's cancer (laughs) and then and then the blood comes the next day and then i'm like jk it's just my period it's fine
0: (laughs) it's fine
1: so her rubbing her back like the whole time like the whole day before she actually bleeds i was like i feel that i know that pain except hers was a lot less crippling
2: in the beginning in
1: my head i thought it was
0: because she was like getting her tail
2: oh i thought it was because she was getting boobs That her back was getting sore because she kept like wearing her sweater off a bit and the guys were like ogling her and then she would stretch. And I was like, oh, maybe her like boobs are coming in and they hurt or something. I don't know because they're too heavy.
1: That's fair. You know, (laughs) cramps can be up in the front or they can be in the back. I hate when they're in the back because then it's like you don't know what it is. You're like, what is it? And do I have scoliosis? It was so funny that they mentioned that because I've had that scare. And it's like, no, you're just having your period. You're fine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's also like periods when you're in high school are so like, It's basically like you got to like hide your tampons or your pads on your way to the bathroom. You're like smuggling in drugs almost because it's so like taboo and nobody ever talks about it, which is or at least that was my experience in my Canadian high school. I was so
1: surprised that the nurse knew so much about it and was so happy to tell them about it. Like I've never (laughs) known a nurse that wasn't uncomfortable with having to tell somebody about what was going on. i have never like the most that they've ever done has been like handing me a pad, the whole handing them condoms while explaining that. <laughs> that was, was like, so oh, great. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've never, never in American, never in American <laughs> school would I have ever seen a condom in a nurse's office.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's bad. That's sad. I got my first condom handed to me at a girl guide meeting.
2: <laughs> I was a huge nerd. My mom knew I wasn't having sex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, tell us more of your thoughts, Erica. Okay, so as I said, I saw this movie when I was 14 and seeing it now that I am almost 30, I'm outing myself with how old I am (laughs) now that I'm almost 30. And I'm like realizing that I am now a whole ass adult (laughs) because I'm watching this movie and I'm like, What are those kids doing? (laughs) I felt myself go into adult mode and be like, "This is this is bad. Kids shouldn't be seeing this." And I went into this whole monologue with myself about how it doesn't matter if it's rated R. You know, kids are watching this movie. Mm -hmm. I was fourteen. I was watching this movie with my parents. (laughs) Like, they didn't care. You watch these movies and you don't realize that all the people acting in these movies are in their late 20s or 30s, which the woman who plays Bridget is 33 years old. Jesus. When she's playing that role in this movie. Like, she looks like a 15-year-old, though. She pulls it off well. I thought she was 15, like, with her demeanor, with how she looked. She looked like me when I was 15, minus my parents would never (laughs) buy me that outfit.
0: I think Ginger was like three years younger
1: than Bridget when filming. And she played the older sister so yeah. well, but you can kind of tell that she was, like, she looked like she was an adult, that she wasn't really a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I give them props for not really putting makeup on the girls, so they made them look younger. Mm-hmm. But it's like, teenagers will watch this stuff and they will be fooled as I was as a wee teen and think that they're actually teenagers and that they're going around doing drugs, having sex. And that's what it is to be cool. And I'm like, oh no, I'm one of those adults now. (laughs) I watch these movies and I go, oh no. Don't do drugs, kids.
2: I had like a similar moment when we were watching the movie where I was like, obviously, these girls are supposed to be portrayed as like edgy and goth and like outside of society. And like kids who are kind of like that were supposed to like attach themselves to these girls. But like when they showed their project of like the death and murder and gore and stuff like that. I was like, wow, that's like really good makeup and prosthetics. They
0: put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And when the teacher <laughs> it, sends them.
2: It looked legit. It was good. Yeah. And when the teacher sent them to the guidance counselor, I'm like, fuck, have the guidance counselor to tell them to like start working in horror films because they're they're really good. <laughs> and they got, Same idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, go for it, girls. You have talent. You yeah. have something to live for. It's like you have an aesthetic. Um,
2: sure. But like that doesn't mean that you can't be a talented gore master in horror films. Jeez. You know, I
1: don't have a lot of like a great memory of my past or my teenage years. And then like I heard this theme music, which has seemed so very iconic to me. And like it all came back to me. And I actually was watching the movie as both the 14 year old and as the like the almost 30 year old that I am. And I had very conflicting feelings about everything we were watching. But those girls literally were like it. Yeah. Like, I remember growing up in a small town, we always you always have like that tiny niche group of like outcasts that are kind of really goth. But, you know, their parents don't buy enough black stuff for them to be (laughs) goth. We just kind of try to vibe it as much as we can. And this movie was like. It's like I heard my friends talking about it. I cannot tell you how many times in my freaking high school years I heard that out by 16 dead in the scene together forever bullshit. (laughs) And it's just like at that age, I would have idolized those girls if it wasn't for the whole werewolf part and the drugs part. I mean, Ginger looks like so hot when they
0: do that typical, like she's walking down the hallway and she, her like hair is like blowing in the fake wind and she's got the like rogue white Uh,
1: died streaks. I was like, yeah, I want to be you. (laughs) This movie should have been my gay awakening. I don't know why it wasn't. But, you know, watching it now, I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely like this part. I just didn't know how to describe what I was feeling back then.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Also, maybe that's why it's in the queer section, because it caused so many awakenings. (laughs) Oh, God, that should have been it.
1: Um, You know, and I don't, I... I could, I could debate that Bridget might be queer because in the second movie, it kind of alludes to that, but it's hard to tell because to the way when they're doing the werewolf thing, it's almost like in the first movie, yeah, Ginger only wanted boys but in the second movie, it's almost like gender didn't matter. Hmm. Okay. Like I don't, I don't know if I want to give away what happens in the second movie. I mean,
2: based on this movie, we assume that Ginger's dead. So if you tell us that she's in the second movie, that's a spoiler.
0: Well, that was <laughs> I was gonna say like in there's a trilogy, so clearly Ginger spoiler. can't be dead. There could be different
2: Gingers. <laughs>
0: We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some amazing goodies to talk about. Kelly, tell everybody about the bath bomb you used a few days ago.
2: So I've been sitting on one bath bomb because during quarantine, I don't know how to get more of them, so I didn't want to waste it. But uh, we got sent so many spooky bath bombs from Evil Amy's. Uh, so I used the Witch's Brew bath bomb, which was like a blackberry raspberry vanilla. So it smelled so good, and it was all purple and spooky. Nice. And I think it was like 3 in the morning because I couldn't sleep, and so I was very isolated and and (laughs) terrified. It was a very good time. I liked it. I would recommend them.
0: Cool! You can get all their products. They ship globally, so none of this. You're from Canada, so I can't enjoy your sponsors. Don't you worry. Because EvilAmySterrorShop.com got you covered.
2: I got to shit on our American listeners like that.
0: (laughs) I love you, American listeners. But that's basically all the feedback I got from our listener survey. Dang it, Erica. (laughs) It wasn't me. Speaking of Erica, tell everybody
1: where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at LesRepresent. It wouldn't let me put in the word podcast. It's fine. <laughs> um, at Les Represent, uh, we are very rarely on Instagram, but sometimes there at uh, Les Represent Podcast. We also are on Podbeam and just basically anywhere. Like, is anyone ever exclusively on one thing anymore? I don't think podcasts do that, but we're basically, we're basically everywhere that's the we way you listen it to, get to podcasts mm-hmm. good job
2: <laughs> all the information you could ever need about us is on our website drinkingandscreaming.com. if you want to help support the show and get some awesome rewards like stickers coasters bonus episodes and more go to patreon.com slash drink and scream that's also where you can vote on our patreon polls to tell us what we should watch next
0: and we got merch so you can, uh, it's on Threadless, but you can find it just through our website. You want a throw pillow? You want a blanket? You want a t-shirt? You want a mug? Babe, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. I want the mug. I want
3: the <laughs> mug really bad.
0: <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. On Facebook at drinkandscream. You can email us at screaming at gmail.com. And you can head on over to our Discord, shared with our friends super hopped up at bit.ly slash hopped up discord. It's season three. It's time for a new sponsor.
2: Do you smell that? The thick fog in the air, suffocating and muddied.
0: Do you hear that? The creaking boards of the boathouse. The wet crackling of pine needles beneath your cold feet.
2: Do you see that? The dim pulsating glow of the gas lamp, hanging up, just out of reach.
0: What sort of lakeside terror is this? Well, it's a candle. A candle for horror fans.
2: A candle from Liz's Horrifying Candle Co.,
0: Shop now on HorrorCandles.com with the code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more candles. So this is a brand new sponsor that we got and I found them on Instagram, fell in love, reached
2: out and they wanted to sponsor with us. And my favorite part is that these bad boys are handmade with soy wax, which makes them safe for your little fur babies. I feel like it's not well known that you shouldn't use petroleum candles if you have animals because it's basically like smoking packs of cigarettes in their face. So we're really keen on what candles are made of because we do love candles. So these are going to be safe for Buddy. They're going to be Buddy approved.
0: We're getting a shipment soon and we'll give you our honest thoughts on them as soon as we can. But for now, get
2: 10% off, bro. Drink Scream 10. At HorrorCandles.com. I was going to mention when you were talking about like how the drug kid, they had to have the drug kid because someone needed to know how to use the monks wood. Yeah. I was like, I'm kind of glad they went that route and not like, Ancient indi- indigenous person who knows the mystical ways and like, oh, Ooh, yeah. I'm going to teach you how to smudge so that you can. They had the way with that janitor. But he wasn't like old ancient one. He was just nice guy that gave her a tissue and she had blood on her face.
1: And then she killed him. Spoiler alert. I mean, I was saying because he was ethnic, like they could have gone with like the Chinese remedy thing. I
2: mean, it was very much like they did do a good job of like... <laughs> White people and their white problems. Oh my God. <laughs> Which was pretty good. I li- I liked that because it it didn't like use the culture of anyone else other than the people involved to like solve the problems. It was just like, got our period, got to get that one drug kid to shoot me up so I don't turn into a werewolf. I thought that was pretty good. That wasn't one of my points, but it made me think about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you have another another discussion topic before we move on? I have to say the relationships in this movie were pretty great. Like the sisters, they, they felt like sisters and I don't know about y'all, but I was back in my 14 year old self and I cried at the end of that movie. Yeah. I cried like the, the, the director spent a lot of time panning over the walls of their memories and to make you feel the grief that was happening. And which is, it's just shocking to me at the end of a horror movie kind of thing especially in the 2000s because it wasn't an edgy well, I guess you could say it was an edgy <laughs> ending but it was like so emotional. Yeah. yeah. And it just kind of it kind of leaves you devastated because you can feel that Bridget is like dying on the inside with her sister. And you know that, like she didn't want to do this like
2: Yeah, she had the monkswood to turn her sister back and herself. And they were going to run away together once everything was Settle down
1: i mean i'm not angry about this decision because ginger is a loose cannon (laughs) and uh it would not have gone well for them i feel really bad for this this is hard for me because i know what happens in the second movie which is a continuation of this (laughs) and i know what happens to bridget's character and i just want to say bridget is an amazing 15 year old (laughs) Which in movies, I always had to like suspend my disbelief, but like she really went there. And I'm happy that they didn't like sometimes in movies, they'll pull out like this ancient book of like, oh, this must be what it is. And they really didn't know. That's true. Like they really haphazardly went at this and they're just like, I'm guessing this is going to work. Gonna
2: pierce you with silver. And like,
1: <laughs> how does he even know that was real silver? Which is why I thought it didn't work oh, yeah. because he's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, no, it. Okay, when I pierce myself with fake stuff, yes, I turn green, but then I get, like, stainless, like sterling silver or stainless silver. But that shit isn't real silver, is it? No, it's like, like stainless kitchen, steel.
2: Yeah, it's like kitchen steel, yeah. basically, so it doesn't rust.
1: Yeah, so that's probably what that stuff was. You probably just give her the equivalent of, like, shoving her with a fork. Like, it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> you're wondering why it didn't work? But I do, I do love... I do love Ginger's transformation because I've seen a lot of werewolf movies and it seemed very unique because it seems to me, knowing what I know about the lore, is once you turn into a werewolf, you're stuck as a werewolf. You kind of don't jump back, you don't tra- transform back and forth. You're just kind of a werewolf after that. Oh. So to see her very slow transformation, like, I don't know how she hid those nails. Mm. As long as she did, like they were very, they were very out there.
2: Well, it's because she wasn't a lesbian.
1: <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> that got me. <laughs> That's very true. That should have been that should have been clue number one. That this is a queer movie. Look at those nails. I, 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 like she had some like demon ass nails. That yeah. I was like, why is nobody like? This is why those hoodies with the really long sleeves came into style. Like no one could see your hands.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, I really liked uh, right before she turns into like the full
0: werewolf her eye makeup changes and she gets like these like really cool like long
1: divots oh, yeah, like near the, her nose ridges and
2: stuff on her face
1: that part was really cool the special effects for this movie were actually really good like at some parts i was like wow i wish you guys kind of spent more mo- money on your editing but no all of that i hope all of that budget went to the special effects because they were good <laughs> yeah like her whole transformation sequence like the fake props that they were using when they were staging their stuff was i mean it kind of looked fake, like, but it was supposed to. It's not supposed to look legit. Yeah. But like her like i don't know if you guys got like a look at her chest but the fact that she had six nipples on her stomach yes like i kind of loved how anatomically correct that was at the same time i was
0: like whoa we have a tradition uh i'm sure you know this of whenever we see boobs in a horror film to shout out boobs did you guys yell it multiple times i did (laughs) and kelly was like what
2: (laughs) well it's because they were they were like really red and splotchy the ones on her stomach so i thought maybe it was like a a wound or like a scab or something like that, but then I'm then later on it's very very obvious. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Uh, yeah,
1: I just assumed it was like the dog nipples. Like, yeah, I mm-hmm. don't, I have a dog who like lays on his back all the time, so I when I saw them, I immediately knew that they were supposed to be <laughs> yeah. nipples. I was like, whoa! I just I had never seen that before because when you see. It's, Seeing female transformations are rare when it comes to werewolves. Like you can always see like the men ripping off their shirts and showing their chest and yada, yada. And with the women, I can't remember another movie where I saw it where you actually could see them transform and not just them. Oh, then they transformed and it was done.
2: I mean, the worst is like World of Warcraft's Worgen race, which is like the werewolf race. The women wear like bras when they're in full wolf form. Cowards. Because they can't, I mean, they should have three bras, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I guess. Like, Just put fur over it. It's fine. Yeah. Question fur you.
2: Or three bras. I don't want none of this like yeah. half ass shit. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Kelly, do you have thoughts?
2: Oh, well, I don't have a period story, unfortunately. Damn it. I honestly don't think I ever dealt with it until I, I had a girlfriend for the first time. But I'd learned enough to be like that boyfriend that's like, do you want me to go and buy stuff for you? Like, is everything cool?
0: That was like, when we first started dating, Kelly bought me a pack of tampons for like to be at their apartment.
2: Yeah. And it's that was it's super cool. the, It's the adult fucking thing to do, people.
1: And that was the first time that had ever happened to me. And I was like, oh my God. And He's like, already better than my first two girlfriends who were <laughs> always like, where do you wear pads? That's kind of gross. And I'm just like, we're not having this conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were very anti-Pat and it didn't make sense, really.
2: Yeah, I, I was just like, Which do you, what do you want me to get? I'll just go out and get them because I want Char to stay at my house more. So necessary components need to be there. Whee! You hear that people out there without a vagina listening to us? If you want someone with a vagina to stay at your apartment, ask them what kind of stuff they want for it.
0: Yay! Aww. That's my PSA. What romance? We're not even at Scaredy Facts, and it's so romance. This is my favorite
1: part of the show. I'm so glad I get to be a part of it.
2: (laughs) Anyways, my second point is about the the dang-ass style of this movie.
0: Yes, Uh, (laughs) anti-romance.
2: This was probably the most 2000s movie I've watched on this podcast. Not only 2000s, but the most Canadian 2000s movie like you mentioned, like watching this, not knowing if it was aesthetic to Canada at the time, like this smelled so much like 2001 Canada, right down to like this. The the music in this movie is so reminiscent of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is a like Canadian anthology sort of like teenage horror uh, series to the point where I think they must have ripped off some of the like musical motifs of that that show. Neither of you know what I'm talking about. I
0: never watched Are You Afraid of the Dark, so I can't give you any feedback. We had it. We had it in
1: America. It was on Nickelodeon.
2: Oh, sick. So did you get that vibe at all from... Watching this?
1: You know, I didn't, and that's only because I I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about anything childhood related because I was too busy being mortified by like how these teenagers were acting and how teenagers must view that. I was like, Erica, you need to get out of adult mode and enjoy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, you don't even have kids. This doesn't make sense.
2: <laughs> that's fair. Well, for anyone listening, Uh, Just if you've seen Are You Afraid of the Dark, like everything from like the scene transition music or like the establishing shots, like everything was it felt like this movie should have started with a bunch of kids sitting around a campfire throwing magnesium into the into the fire and being like, hey, you guys want to hear a scary story? I mean, it had to have been a girl who was telling the story.
1: There ain't going to be no kids that were telling like no boys that were telling (laughs) the story.
2: And then she turned into a werewolf (laughs) on the first time she bled. The girl's like, I take
1: it back. You're right.
2: (laughs) What? And then she got, then she was hot. And then, and then she killed the janitor. Poor janitor. (laughs) And then like all of the like cinematography and editing of this movie just smelt like the 2000s. Like everything was like either low angle shots that like had just a guy holding a camera running towards the subjects or it was like tons of Dutch tilts for like. Going Their day is like
0: intense. Dutch, just tilts. So much Dutch tilts <laughs>
2: or like my favorite one, which was reaction shot. That was a uh, start kind of medium shot in a Dutch tilt, then move towards the face while still Dutch tilting, but having a shaky cam to get a reaction of terror terror. And like <laughs> I can see every version of that in like Canadiana in my head running through, and it's like, I felt like I was a child again watching this movie purely from the way that people held the camera.
1: That's very interesting. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even, like, I kind of forgot that the cinematography was bad up until the one point that, man, I forgot his name. I hate his character so much. Was it Jason?
2: Uh, was it the douchey kid that she slept with? The
1: douchey kid. Yes, I, the douchey kid. I don't
2: know. He kind of look like David Arquette a little bit.
1: I don't <laughs> He started with a J. We're just going to call him J because I know it started, it had a J in it. I just completely, (laughs) like, I I blocked down his character a lot because I'm like, God, (laughs) don't tell me a a freaking 19-year-old. I don't even know how old he was. He was 16, (laughs) supposedly. He looks like he was held back in (laughs) grade. I don't want to think of a teenager like that existing because he was like all about sex. He had no other development other than that sleazy guy who really wanted to have sex. I mean, the
2: the trio Um, of douchebags with gelled up hair was my high school. Like That that was my middle slash high school. That's so
1: awful. (laughs) I really forgot that the cinematography was awful for a minute until he was starting to turn. And I I do want to get to that. I actually do want to get to that. I've changed my mind. I have something else to talk about. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Go off. (laughs) But like how, so like when he was like kind of attacking the kid And she had to shove the needle into his neck. Yeah. That scene was so weirdly shot, it kind of took me out of it. And I completely forgot that I was watching a bad movie. And (laughs) then they like left this like needle in his
2: neck. That also had like (laughs) vibes of like, halloween town just that scene in particular
1: yeah it was so phony i was like was that a was that an editorial note did they just like bring that up randomly did they just like shoot the whole thing and then was like oh god we forgot about that guy
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny though because i mentioned all of this and it's like i didn't i wasn't hating it like it definitely brought me back to the 2000s in a good way i think i think it was definitely like just a movie style of its time especially in yeah. Canada. Yeah. I
0: talk about it more in my final thoughts, so I don't want to give it away.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, when I when I say bad movie, I'm not really saying I didn't like it cuz unfortunately I still enjoyed it. Although <laughs> it makes me really want to rethink and rewatch all of the movies I say that I liked now as an adult so I can really say that I liked it. Oh yeah. So, instead of watching it, being like, oh my God.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we have that a couple times. Like Mm -hmm. when we did a scary movie and I was like, fuck yeah, I love scary movie. And then we watched it and it's like-
0: That was the worst movie ever. (laughs) I felt
1: almost Ah. embarrassed that I recommended it. Yeah. (laughs) I almost felt that way too. While I was watching this, I was like, oh, so much drugs. Oh, so much dead dog. Did I say I liked this movie? (laughs) Am I going to be judged for this? I don't know. I did want to talk about that whole- character, Jay, that Ginger sleeps with. His whole transformation, I find, was very interesting how different it was than Ginger's. Because Ginger's had Ginger had a very sexy transformation. Like, she became more confident. She became, though she was more angry and wild, she was still beautiful. And, like, you could see everyone around her was just like, oh my god, she's hot. Yeah. But
0: and, then he was
2: know, so, she- like, pimply. Yeah. I think it was literally just, like, the um, mirror of puberty for guys is, like, the implication is that Women get hot when they get their period or when they hit puberty, but (sighs) men get gross and pimply during their puberty.
1: Women get pimply and
2: gross too. I
1: I hate to tell you. Oh no, I'm (laughs) I'm
2: I'm well aware, but I think the like cultural stereotype. Yeah, the cultural thing is like women aren't hot until they get their boobs.
1: I actually had the suspicion that he was just like this giant metaphor for STDs. Oh, that's also because like because she had like we're not. I'm not entirely convinced that it was an STD. Like the movie tells us that he got it because he had sex with, he hadn't protected sex with gender. Mm-hmm. And Bridget specifically tells her that it, like he caught it like through an STD. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you <laughs> gave it to him. He caught it. Yeah. yeah, that's
2: true. Actually. Yeah.
1: Like watching that scene, I was like, I was kind of, under the impression that maybe she had bit him while they were doing it because yeah his his face of the next day it looks like she beat him up like his lip was broken and like i see his face is probably breaking out because he was starting to transform i'm guessing via stds um because he his face starts breaking out like he starts peeing blood which is that is that yeah definitely
2: that's Gonorrhea, okay, cool. I think. He's that's just it. like
1: the, the epitome of STD, then. Yeah, okay,
2: yeah, 100%. Um, I take back my puberty thing. You're right. It was <laughs> That was definitely what that was a uh, metaphor for.
1: Maybe. But it almost looks like she kind of forced herself on him. She does that a lot. Like
0: at the party with Sam, he has to tell her no. Like he says no more than once. Yeah. Like, fuck, I hate that. I hate movies that normalize. In this case, it was the woman doing it. But in general, like, I don't want to have to say no more than once. Like,
2: come on,
0: be cool.
2: I mean, the whole, like, what is that song from... Christmas of like, I really should, can't stay. Like oh the yeah, whole idea baby, it's like, cold
1: outside. Yeah, we need oh, to yeah. pretend guys, like we don't want to fuck. Have you guys seen the, like the the reverse conversation from that song? No. Like everyone's like, oh, it's kind of it's kind of rapey or whatever. And then there's another side of it that's like, oh no, no, it's very it's very feminist. She's just trying to stay there against social norms yada yeah, yeah, yada. And yeah. I'm just like, this is not a conversation we need to have. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's the one I was referencing um, is like yeah. of its time, you had to pretend like you didn't want to sleep at this unmarried man's house anyways my my final point was that the mom was super cool like she's portrayed as kind of like your standard like tim burton over the top mom
0: like weird and, weird like, and dorky and dorky and, yeah
2: or overprotective or whatever she full on like covers up a murder for her daughters and says, let's get the fuck out of this town. Your dad can stay here. We're going to leave. And like, that's we're going to burn the house. Down. That's so fucking yeah. metal.
1: That's so cool. Yeah. Man. Like, I imagine the girls had to get it from somewhere at some point. Like, you can tell that the parents were not really... Together, like they were going to counseling, and that's why they weren't around for a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. So her being like, "We'll just leave your father," sounds like she was looking for an out. Yeah. but I'm not going to talk
2: about that. Like it, baby just the like they're. It's like they're rebelling against their parents because they're so dorky and stuff. But like when shit hits the fan, the mom's in the getaway van, and it's like, "Let's burn this mother down and go to Mexico." Yeah, like that was very cool. It I feel was. like my mom would do that. She would burn her house down and move to Mexico if I killed someone. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's just. It's just so sad that they literally ditched their mom. Like, Bridget's running after Ginger, and Ginger's, she's pretty much gone at this point. Like, there's not a lot of going back for Ginger anymore. She's far enough in her transformation that she only has a couple things on her mind, and all of them center around revenge and taking out people who could possibly threaten her sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's how I saw that, because everyone she really attacks after she starts losing it are people that have threatened that she feels like are a threat to Bridget.
2: Yeah. I'm just picturing the second movie starting with the mom showing up with some sulfuric acid and just dumping gasoline all over the house, being like, all right, let's get out of here, girls. Don't spoil (laughs) it. Don't spoil it. Because I'm going to go in expecting that's how the movie starts. All right.
0: Well, this is a good time for us to jump into our recommended viewing Brand new segment of season three. Woo. We need a song no, for this
2: copyright. one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not, not Twilight Zone. That was bad. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> we need something analogous to. Uh Analogous? That's not the right word. We need something similar to the um, Scaredy Facts song. Yeah. We'll come up with we'll it. We'll
0: think of it as we go. But uh, my recommendation is... That I'm so excited <laughs> to hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are a few different ways that I could go for this. And I'm taking the Sisters Do Supernatural Crimes route by recommending Practical Magic from 1998.
1: It stars uh, Nicole Kinman and Sandra Bullock and their badass witch sisters. I was going to go with the theme of Canadian monster movies. Nice. Um, And I was going to suggest The Last Sect, which is a Canadian vampire movie that is actually lesbian. Uh, It's part of that very small genre of lesbian vampire movies. And is it good? I can't vouch for that anymore <laughs> as from what I've seen from this movie uh I kind of like it it's very low budget though and like I think the entire soundtrack is done by a Canadian band called the Duke Spirits nice. which I love the soundtrack I love the whole soundtrack so if I you're gonna watch the movie watch it for that and the lesbians and just forget everything else about it nice.
0: <laughs> what's your recommendation Kelly
2: so I haven't actually seen it but I've heard really good things about uh 2014's The Falling and it's got Arya Stark in it it's oh. like a mystery, maybe supernaturally. I don't want to spoil it because I read the synopsis to make sure it's fine. Uh, and it takes place in an all girl school. Definitely content warning for that one for sexual assault and stuff. So oh. just FYI. But it seems really good.
0: Cool. And that brings us to. Da-da-da!
2: Scaredy facts.
0: For those of you who are just joining us in this episode, our scaredy facts section is a uh, homage to kelly and i's relationship where every day that we watch a horror movie and we're too scared to go to sleep we snuggle up in bed we get on imdb and other movie sites and read some trivia to make it to normalize what we just watched and experienced so we are welcoming you the listener and you erica
2: into (laughs) our
3: relationship
0: I feel so privileged.
2: Welcome to the Scaredy Facts Polycule section.
0: Whee! <laughs> so starting with the budget, it was an estimated five million back in the day. That's like Jesus. a lot of money. Five
2: million Canadian dollars though. So that's like twenty bucks American. <laughs>
0: well, I can see the the prosthetics and everything. Like they did need a big budget for that. Opening weekend it only made about four hundred and twenty-five thousand.
2: In the States though. Yeah. Which again, I want to get data. Oh, I,
0: actually, that's not in the States. I forgot. I It says oh, that's USA. In Can-
2: that's in Canada? Yeah. Oh, fuck Canada. us.
0: <laughs> it did very poorly. And usually I would tell you what the cumulative worldwide gross to date is, but I can't because I can't find information on it. Everything I found was that this hit success like afterwards. Yeah. It was in film festivals and got critical acclaim there. But then they had like a shitty marketing, shitty preview well, we saw no. the preview, <laughs>
3: um,
0: which resulted in like awful ticket sales. And it was only once the movie started being aired on TV that people found it, like discovered it and fell in love. So it, it is successful. But the worldwide gross that I found was like basically the weekend opening. So but for security fact, the producers search for six months to find the right actresses for the roles of Ginger and Bridget. But we're having no luck. Ironically, after such a long casting process, Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins auditioned on the same day and they landed both of the roles. And what was extra cool or weird about this is that they were born in the same hospital. They attended the same preschool, elementary school and private school, and they worked by the same agency. (laughs) So they like knew each other growing up.
2: And their agent was probably like, hey, these girls are basically like sisters, let's uh, send them in. They
1: do have like amazing, amazing chemistry. I think they only like played in one other movie together and I need to find it and watch it to consume it please
0: (laughs) it's too bad I didn't really talk about the acting but I did I really appreciated both of their performances they were great many of the day scenes had to be scheduled to be shot at night and the director of photography solved the problem by using diffusion gel and four 18 kilowatt lamps which generated enough light for it to be seen a mile high in the sky so people could like see it in planes but that's crazy. I didn't notice that at all.
2: I'm kind of just used to overcast weather in Canada. So I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it made sense. <laughs> There's your budget.
0: <laughs> yeah. Director John Fawcett refused to have CGI effects in the film, opting for all the special effect creatures to be done with prosthetics and makeup. So Ginger's monster makeup would take three hours to apply and an additional 45 minutes to remove after shooting. But for the biggest makeup challenges... She had to spend up to seven hours in the makeup chair to create the metamorphosis and a further two hours to take it all off. She was often covered in sticky fake blood that required borax and household detergent to remove. And she further injured wearing contacts that hindered her vision and teeth that made uh, her unable to speak without a lisp. So the most aggravating thing was the full facial prosthetic, which gave her permanently runny
1: nose. And she had to stop it with Q-tips. Jeez. <laughs> you know what? I would be I would be able to nail that angry teenager rule very well with that. <laughs> Having all of that, I would be pissed all the time and be like, what? We have to take this again?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you also pointed out a scene that was very obviously ADR because she was wearing her, uh, her teeth. teeth and, yeah, yeah, I figured
0: that. None of the audio could really be used, but it looked cool. Uh, In January of 1995, the writer, director, John Fawcett, and I quote, knew that he wanted to make a metamorphosis movie and a horror film. He also, this sounds problematic, but I don't think he meant it, knew that he wanted to work with young girls. (laughs) (laughs) But he talked to screenwriter Karen Walton, who was initially reluctant to write the script due to the horror genre's reputation of having like shitty characters, poor storytelling and a negative portrayal of women. But he eventually convinced her that he wanted to make this movie to reinterpret the genre. So they decided to uh, make Ginger Snaps. Nice. Yeah.
2: And then no one watched it.
1: Well, now it's a cult <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah. I would still recommend it, regardless of all of the crap that I said earlier. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we just need big trigger warning that there are dead dogs
1: mm-hmm.
2: imme- almost immediately.
0: Yeah. Which uh, the cult classic thing brings me to my second to last fact. This movie achieved significant video and DVD sales. So the earnings combined with moderate theatrical success. Oh, I kind of spoiled this earlier. Uh, Led to the production of two further films what a surprise you had no idea wow
2: <laughs> which erica has just been talking about how amazing and great <laughs> these movies are and we should watch them later on right erica
1: i you should <laughs> the, third, the third one debatably maybe not i think i think the third one came out literally around the same time that the second one did like they were just like writing that so oh, oh, yeah that's fair my
0: final fact Brings me to something that came up in our audience feedback survey of bringing back the car fact.
2: Hell yeah. Wait, that actually, someone mentioned that? Yes. Fuck yeah.
0: Which I want to tell you, whoever you are, sweet listener, I did not throw away the car facts. Sometimes I just don't know them or I can't find them. Whenever I do find them, I will be sure to include it. Which, I only have one for this one. Sam's van is a 1990 Chevrolet Astro. Sick.
1: <laughs> Can we have like some like okay? I suspended my disbelief for a lot of this movie, but the fact that he, he hit that spoiler alert—he hit the werewolf and killed it, and his truck was fine. Yeah, it was a like, huge how that? creature. I've, Yeah, I've hit deer before. It's an advertisement for the
2: 1990s Chevrolet Astro being (laughs) so fucking tough. It
1: must have been because let me tell, I've hit deer and it's totaled my cars and luckily did not injure me at all. But like how it was his truck. okay? All right, Erica, do you have some final thoughts for me? Oh, gosh. What have I not talked about in this movie? (laughs) If you don't mind drugs in the background. Um, If you don't mind teenagers having sex, if you don't mind uh, lots of dogs dying, this this could be a good movie this could be great (laughs) this definitely fits this definitely fits that aesthetic of like when you're an angsty teenager and you're like the and you're like the outcast like this movie fits that aesthetic so well that you kind of lose sight of how problematic everything else is. which
0: totally (laughs) is exactly my final thought of this movie was wild (laughs) and it went from dog killing to hyper 2000s aesthetic to somehow i love it Like, wow, I definitely want to watch this movie again. Uh, But yeah, the mom was really badass and I'm proud that it's a Canadian film.
2: Hell yeah. My final thought is that watching this made me dig through all of our storage to get my high school yearbooks. (laughs) Wow, there are a lot of Karens in my high school graduation. Oh, God. (laughs) They had to come from somewhere. Yeah, all from Kelowna. Well, that's been Ginger Snaps, a movie about three quarters butter, one cup sugar, one egg, a quarter cup molasses, two cups flour, one quarter teaspoon salt, two teaspoons of baking soda, one teaspoon cinnamon, one teaspoon cloves, one teaspoon ginger. Baked 350 for 13 minutes. Next
0: week, we'll be watching Sleepaway Camp from 1983. And remember... Always scream responsibly. Ah.